You're listening to the Untidy Faith Podcast, where we have honest conversations and gentle encouragement for when following Jesus gets messy. I'm your host, Kate Boyd, author, speaker, and gentle guide for Christians who are disentangling their faith from culture and desiring to find joy in following Jesus again. There can be life of faith after deconstruction. Let's find yours together. This season, you get to be a fly on the wall as I and my co-hosts, Robert Callahan and Amanda Waldron, read through 1 Samuel together and give you our honest thoughts, questions, and takeaways. Let's get to it. Welcome, everybody, back to Untidy Faith, and we did it. We made it through 1 Samuel somehow, way. It only took us, I don't even know how long. I stopped keeping track, and we did it. So, Robert, Amanda, how are you feeling at the end of this journey? Ah, I feel like we've been through it. Huh? Yeah, it's, no. there's a lot. I don't know. I feel like it, I feel like it's good. I feel like I grew, you know, made some friends along the way. <laughs> some enemies. Um, yeah. What a journey. Yeah. What a journey this has been. What a journey. Right? Like you think you've yeah. read the Bible and then you read it with others and you're like, oh, I missed two thirds of what was being said in this book. No. Or even just going back as a grown up. Like I... My um, Sunday school class did like a little series of like four or five weeks of like going back to like stories that we talked about as a kid. So like David and Goliath and Noah's Ark. I taught on Samson and Delilah. And so it was stories like that. But it's like and you read them as an adult and you're like, why did they teach these to us as children? (laughs) Who my kids read this? like, Like why were we talking about Samson and Delilah as children? Why? Why? It's so, it makes no sense. Women be tempting. (laughs) Right, exactly. Like, that's the reason. And so it's stuff like that that now I'm like, oh, so returning to First Samuel and being like, oh, huh, okay, that's something. It's definitely, it's a different experience, not only as an adult, but as like a deconstructed adult who's like willing to look at things more broadly. This would have been a much different experience, you know, seven, eight. 10 years ago. We started the season with an intro episode and we had a few questions. And so we're just going to kind of check up on those and talk about some other things just to kind of wrap up how we feel about 1 Samuel at the end here. So one of the things that we talked about was, I mean, first of all, you guys were brave and gracious enough to, I don't know, work on your relationship with scripture by reading it in public (laughs) with other people. You both talked about what your relationship with scripture was at the start of the season. Amanda, how are you, how has that changed? Is it the same? What is it feeling like now? Yeah, it does feel a little bit different. I think reading PN's book, because the Bible told me so. And Mm. I feel like that (laughs) one of my favorite episodes of an other Robert was on. (laughs) And I don't know, just the permission to look at the Bible differently than what you've been taught. I feel like it's just allowed more space for me to, I don't know, to hold the Bible in a different way. Mm -hmm. That doesn't feel as scary or as demanding. And then I think that has kind of trickled down into, I am, had the thought the other day that I want to read through all like the rest passages um, in the New Testament or the rest passages around Jesus, because I feel like my idea. I don't know. You just see things differently yeah. when you have like a little bit of tweaking to your lens of what you're bringing to the Bible. Or even so, what you, like you sort of said, when you allow yourself to look at it differently. Yeah. And I think that's such a, that permission piece is, is, has been a big deal for me. So I appreciate that too. Mm. Uh, Robert, how about you? Yeah. yeah are we going to talk about the fact that she just, you know, said her favorite episode was the. So look at her laughing. We already know that her favorite episode was the other Robert. The other. Was, I know. Well, I was like, I guess it's to be Robert totally Monson that he's the uh, other Robert. <laughs> I couldn't remember other Robert's last name, no, like, so I was like, no, "How am I going to talk about no, this?" No, I'm going to send this to him and be like, "I'm sorry, man. You're apparently the other Robert now. I don't." <laughs> and even just the fact that like it couldn't have been the episode that I was a part of. It had to be. The well, you yeah, were there I wanted too. to make it very Not clear. This. It was the Robert other Robert two. who said smart. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, 
I mean, <laughs> low key, that was probably one of my favorite. I mean, high key, that was probably one of my favorite episodes, if, if not my favorite episode. I learned so much and thinking about, um, like Amanda, you said, like having permission to see the Bible differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I started off with a very guarded uh, understanding of reading scripture this season because. I was processing my hurt through deconstruction and my experience in the church. And so, you know, reading the Bible meant prayer closet, isolated, you know, I have the ability to open up scripture and interpret it for myself and understand what it means. And yeah, maybe we read in community on Sunday morning, but not really actually in community on an everyday basis. And so every time I read the Bible, it was activating because I was I was hearing all of these sort of like ghosts of Christianity past that were whispering mm. in my head. And so now this has literally provided me with the opportunity to read in concert, in community with people in a safe place to trade ideas and questions and learn and process through things. And so it has given me a new life, a new love, appreciation for reading scripture. There is a way to do it that's not triggering. And so I'm really happy about that. Yeah. I mean, I I don't even know if I answered this question in the first one. I feel like I've had an okay relationship with scripture, but that's because I really... I love studying it. And so for me, um, I think uh, not specifically this season, but having this space on the podcast to do this with other people, I know has been hugely beneficial to me from a, an accountability perspective. Not that, not that you have to read the Bible at any intervals. There's always that permission. If you feel like if you feel like I'm pressuring you in that regard, just go back a few episodes and I definitely relieve all of that pressure for you. But I think there's a sense in where I'm like, no, you don't have to do any of those things. But I think for me, I have a tendency to only engage it in my academic setting because that is what's required of me the most at the moment. And so having a chance to kind of like come out of it and not have to like have a set opinion that I have to defend or whatever to just sort of like be here and talk it out and explore has been really helpful over the last few years. But even in this with the continuity of you guys here and just sort of like us all going through it together the whole time and putting these pieces together and understanding things. So I think my relationship with scripture is always better when it includes other people. And so I think that's been hugely helpful this season too, like especially, especially with stuff that's harder. Like so far before we've done like Mark. So we've talked about Jesus and we've done Acts, which has like all these exciting stories. And so like doing first Samuel was quite was quite a tall order to like hearken back to the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, because I feel like there's so much more challenging there. And so from like a from a knowledge, like a cultural perspective, maybe. So like we thought a little bit about how we interacted with the Old Testament in our youth or even at present back when we started. Amanda, how has that changed or has it? Yeah, I think, I don't know if much has changed. I think I'm still drawn to the New Testament or the stories of Jesus. But I also, maybe I was thinking about this and how my relationship has changed to the Old Testament and not to plug another podcast, but I feel like faith adjacent has been super helpful Mm. just because of they'll dig into the history and bring things forward that I hadn't heard about. So it kind of feels like you're doing scripture with somebody else, only they're doing most of the work. So I think when I think about the Old Testament, right, like giving me perspectives on the book of Job or the book of Ruth, 
again, I think that free, maybe, maybe the difference is like you said that, that sense of maybe there's a little bit more freedom to hold what I thought was true or what I've been, what I've been taught is true about these stories a little looser and allowing for maybe more mystery or maybe holding two things to be true at once, right? Like holding the tension of, oh, there may be different ways to interpret this and that is okay. Does it really take away the core teaching of what the story is pointing to? Yeah. Robert, how about you? Yeah. I mean, for me, the Old Testament has always been sort of like the backdrop for the New Testament. Like there was um, fun Bible stories that could be made for TV movies out of, out of the material they're in, but I didn't really see it as its own beautiful thing other than with the asterisk of when we talked about liberation theology. I mean, that is a very important part of the Southern black Baptist background that I was raised in for the first 14 years of my life. And so we often see ourselves in the black community as Israel saw themselves as, you know, survivors having gone through captivity. And um, as I'm, as I'm thinking about it now, as I'm thinking about the old Testament and for Samuel, I mean, one of the things that, I walk away from this season with is that I'm a lot less likely to look at the words that are on the page as black and white clinical without change nuance or ability to inspect words that are timeless forever and ever. Amen. And must be interpreted through a certain lens. I'm I'm much more cognizant now of the fact that we often attribute to God. Uh, in particular, I think that this happens in the Old Testament quite a bit. Things that necess- that aren't necessarily fairly attributed to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, mankind had some input in how those things were interpreted and presented to, to God's people. And so I'm a lot more cognizant now about who's being centered in the story, who's being excluded in the story, whose voice is being silenced or minimized, who's being marginalized, and what the the story overall is attempting, not just to tell us by way of theme, but what is the underlying premise that it's trying to get us to accept as true. Yeah. It's funny. I always sort of like if people ask me like what I'm interested in, in the Bible, I'm like, Oh, Jesus, new Testament, love it. And then I always find myself in the old Testament, (laughs) like, (laughs) because I think it's one of those things where I think you guys have touched on it. Like so much of the new Testament is connected to the old Testament. And so there's a way in which understanding the old Testament brings fullness to the New Testament. And so people like David and understanding how they're being, you know, shaped and characterized as you look at them looking at Jesus as a king like David, you're really like considering what is that, which can be problematic because it turns out I don't like David that much. But I understand, like, so I think the way I interact with the Hebrew Bible now is knowing that it's sort of like this depth of riches that enhance the stuff that I love so much about Christianity and Christ and like this new Testament community that I feel called to be a part of and even how it had roots in the beginning. And and so like digging into that. And so in that way, it's sort of a place that I look and interact with in order to build out, yeah, my thinking and approach to the new stuff more intently and deeply. But I think that means I spend a lot more time in the Old Testament than I ever would have expected to. And looking (laughs) at stories like that I didn't even remember or that I had forgotten from something like 1 Samuel or reading the prophets, like really 
like deeply for the first time, you know, in the last few years and stuff like that, that like you just don't always do, but so much of what we love about Jesus was established in some of these things. And so I think it's really interesting to see how they play off of each other. But yeah, I mean, typically it wouldn't be a thing that I would <laughs> I would have done before <laughs> because the Old Testament is intimidating or sad or scary for whatever reason, you know, because it's just so big and there's so much that you could just get lost in from like a contextual perspective. So it's been interesting to go back and like uncover some of that and connect it to Jesus in a way that makes the Old Testament feel a little less scary, I guess. Yeah. You know, to that point, if I can interject this, I think that it's also for me really easy to be intimidated in reading the Old Testament, fearing that I'm going to get lost in missing context, things that I don't know because I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't read Hebrew. I don't understand the original background. I don't understand things about the Torah or about the Midrash. And so there's all this background context that I feel is so important to know. And at the same time, can't possibly know, you know, myself, I'm probably not going to go to seminary. I'm probably not going (laughs) at at 40 mumble years old. I'm probably not (laughs) going to pursue that education now. And so it's really easy to get overwhelmed and be intimidated in that regard. And I think that it's been really good, Kate, to kind of have your constant unspoken reassurance that no like guys we can we can read this we together can do this. yeah you don't have to have a degree you don't have to be a, a a rabbi in order to understand things about the old testament and if you you have those resources that's great but uh i just really appreciate that yeah well and i find that the more i dig into things like scholarship that actually the less clear a lot of stuff becomes because there are so many differing opinions or different, you know, ways people are connecting dots. And so like, I find that also reassuring that like these people who have, you know, spent decades longer than I have exploring these things don't agree or can't figure it out or are just like, well, we know that it means this in this other place. Maybe that's what they were getting at. Like, they just don't really know. So I'm like, okay, it's okay for me to not to have it figured out. If all of these people can't figure it out, then yeah, it's going to be fine. Like, it'll be okay. <laughs> that's what I always say to those that are deconstructing, right? Like, you're not the first person to ask these questions and you're not going to yeah. be the last. And people have struggled for thousands of years trying to mm-hmm. answer this. And so if it was clear, it would be clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not. For so sure. it's okay yeah. to have some <laughs> some nuance and some gray and to hold, yeah, hold things with an open hand. Yeah. And I think that's what's so important about like one of the big paradigms that shifted for me in my faith is sort of this idea that like intellectual assent to ideas is sort of like the path <laughs> to salvation because I don't yeah. that's it's not it, that can leave some people out. And it's also one of those things where it's like when you actually dig into it, you realize that a lot of us don't agree on a, on the particulars of some of these things. And so who has the definitive way and we don't yeah. know. And so then you have to ask yourself, well, is God really going to count everyone out who doesn't agree with the thing that we're not even sure we know, like mm-hmm. who's right? And so stuff like that, that I'm like, Huh. So when you kind of get over that <laughs> hump, you're kind of allow it becomes much easier to allow yourself the freedom to explore and dig into other ideas. And then like I said, once you do, you realize that there are so many ideas that like people don't even agree. It's hard to like mm-hmm. even find what you believe in this sea of, you know, opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite things from this season too, Kate, has just been Yeah after we have these discussions and we go back and forth and then a couple of days later, you'll post something to Instagram or Amanda, you'll post something to Instagram and it's the application of something that we've talked Mm -hmm. about with some nuance or or some 
different perspective that delves deeper into something where I can see that your wheels have been turning and then you bring that out into the community. It's just so great to see, I don't know, just like part of our own experience, journey, healing journey, understanding, contributing to giving understanding to other people. I love Kate's Kate isms that we've had throughout the season. Uh, the first one I can't particularly remember, but it was something to the effect of we should call up as much as we call out or we should challenge ourselves. Oh, as much confess as much as you call yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. See, see, <laughs> it's, it's good stuff. And so I appreciate the conversation that's come out of this. Yeah. And I think that's sort of a thing that sometimes gets missed. I don't know if it's the way our churches are structured or if it's just sort of like become less of a value because of enlightenment or whatever. But I think this idea of the community together making this and the and the value of process as much as destination, maybe more than destination. And I I think that's what's been really fun about having this space over the last few years mm-hmm. is to like have I selfishly have gotten to do that for a long time. And so it's really fun to like see you guys be a part of that too. And then like you said, Robert, see how that interacts in the public square as, or even in our own personal lives, as we continue the processing beyond the discussion and figuring out what it does look like, you know, outside of these little flat squares that we sit in, you know, to talk to each (laughs) other. Yeah. It's so interesting. Or even how like, there were a couple of episodes and we were talking about things and like we would then text each other and stuff and be like, I, maybe it's this or maybe we could think about this. Like there were still times when the conversation didn't end on the podcast all the time. And so I think that's helpful too to like have people in space where that is cultivated. And I think each of you do that in some of your spheres too. And I, I love that this is, a, this is something that we, are do, we do. Yeah. 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 Right. Like that practical applic- yeah, application and not when I say that something, it's bringing me back to times at church where it's like, here's the three points and then the practical application. But I think it is that sense of, I don't know, as you're living and working out your faith, that there should be some, what you're interacting with should expand your faith, should move it mm-hmm. forward as it's, I don't know like cultivating this living, growing thing. And it's going to look different in different seasons. And so how do we, Yeah, I don't know, how do we be in the faith that we have in, in this season? Yeah. So first Samuel we've alluded to was kind of a wild ride. There was a lot of so many things happening. I don't even so I think you may have had some expectations or some thoughts about First Samuel before we started. If you can recall what maybe some of those were, but especially what is sort of your take on First Samuel now as far as like, how do you feel about it? What was your sort of like journey with Samuel as we went? Robert, what did that look like for you? Besides all the Star Wars metaphors. And- We're going there. We're going there because it's, it's applicable. Name every franchise. So you can hate if you want to, but give the people what they want. The story, the story of Samuel and Saul, it, it all, for me, felt like it was just prelude to get us to David. And it was important to understand that background because David is the sort of ultimate figure of the Old Testament for men is how I was raised to believe. And David was presented as being this noble, very righteous, wise character uh, that maybe was even sort of a stand-in for Israel's identity in some ways. However, I think that Post-deconstruction and reconstruction, I've seen a lot of problems with David, and so I didn't know what to expect coming into this season. There are a lot of things that I now see in his story arc that I don't want to emulate or encourage other young men, such as my sons, to to emulate, whereas he was sort of presented as the, the pinnacle when I was growing up. 
And so I walk away from the season feeling a sense of maybe, I don't know, morose might be the right word. Like just a very sobering, somber sort of feeling coming away from first Samuel, because I just feel like we just got hit with successive waves of this is what God wanted for this nation, but this is what they got. And Mm. like, we start with Eli and in my view, he was a disappointment because he was letting his children take advantage of the community and to prey on the people. And then we, are introduced to Samuel and he's dedicated to the Lord and he's this newer, better priest. But then in some regards, he's repeating the same mistakes as Eli in terms of what he's letting his children get away with. And then we've got Israel given the ark to carry God's presence with them, but they end up using it as a talisman and we talked in that episode about how it, it was sort of like this this form of nationalism, like, you know, is, is God just being used as our mascot? And that mm-hmm. led to a lot of heartache and just real loss in, in a real sense in terms of battle. And the Philistines had the opportunity to learn something about who God was, having received the ark and then squandered the opportunity. And then Israel had a chance to repent and renew itself when the ark came back. And that opportunity was squandered and then Saul was anointed as king and he didn't obey and I we talked about how I think that the the scripture probably wants us to come away with a different understanding but I you know I just I look at that and I'm like man like that that was a small mistake for him to have lost everything over that you know that he he that right he gave the sacrifices you know so but that that there's there's heartache in that and there's loss in that. And then David's anointed and he has the opportunity to relieve himself and others from this sort of chaotic cycle of abuse as he's being constantly chased by Saul. He doesn't take that opportunity. And we talked about maybe the different reasons that that all happens, but the the whole thing is just, it just feels sort of sad. It's like watching Anakin ascend into his role as Darth Vader and you're just thinking, man, you were supposed to be the chosen one. <laughs> you know, you were supposed to be, you were supposed to be this great thing. And and um, you know, there's this just some decisions and and heartache that was caused that didn't need to be. And so that's that's I think my big takeaway. There's that moment on America's Next Top Model when Tyra screams, we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. And that's sort of like, we really, David, we tried. We tried so hard. And it just, I just can't get there. I can't get there. I hate that yeah, I know he's exactly. He's got Star Wars. I've got, I've got trashy reality TV. <laughs> these are our, these are our paradigms. which we're viewing this through yeah we all have our pop culture things (laughs) um yeah what do you think of first samuel these days post actually having to like deep dive into it amanda (laughs) i liked your recap robert because (laughs) i like that present i was (laughs) looking through some like okay, well, what are we talking on the, on the podcast today? Some of these questions, I like, I was like, I can't even remember what some of the main themes were at the beginning of this book. And I went to chat GPT and I said, what are the main themes? <laughs> and it was accurate. It, like, the themes that you talked about, but I think some of the things that stand out, and maybe this is more the human aspect of this book, right? Is like, I think this book could have used a better editor. <laughs> there are a lot of repetitive <laughs> stories. Interesting choices, yeah. Or like they put <laughs> stories in weird places and you're like yeah. not sure what's chronological or why you would interrupt. Yeah, it's weird. And I think when you read it like this, now it makes me wonder like what other books need an, an editor too? What other books are, are like playing out the same stories like a few chapters later? Um, wait, so that wait is probably good. One of my biggest takeaways. <laughs> your, your big, your big takeaway is that you've got, 
You <laughs> first of all, editor's note. Like, first of all, if God wrote concise. this, he's a bad writer. And second of all, <laughs> the attributes of God we never talk about, which is not editing is not his strong suit. That's true. And yet JK he's still got JK. All the information. And so I don't know. What his process is? Maybe maybe the Bible needs a developmental editor. Maybe that's maybe. what <laughs> we like. Page somebody yeah. from our publishing houses and like make this happen. <laughs> oh, I like that you. I like that you uh, said that the author of the Great Flood isn't good about editing. Like Wade, that is a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I said what I said. I've got the openness to I say stand it. By it. You know, we were all thinking it. She just said it out loud. That's all. Um, but yeah, I think to switch over into a more serious, right? Like I do agree with Robert around. I don't know. Just yeah, just. I think the tragedy that comes in the second half of this book, the very mm-hmm. humanness of Saul and how the ego gets in the way and right. We see these incremental choices that lead to this. And it's kind of like a car crash that you're like, uh, like <laughs> turn, turn the wheel. Um, Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think there's, there is a lot more emotion in this book than I was anticipating. Right. Like I, I th- think what stands out more are some of these funny moments that we discussed, but there's also, if anyone listened to last week's, right. Like we just kind of fell into a, a pool Sometimes of we just, it's sad. Sometimes <laughs> despair wins. And yes. Yeah. 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 Right. And I, I, again, I think reading it with other people, kind of shines a light on your own bias. So that sense of, right. Nobody thinks that they're coming to the Bible with bias, but I think when you read it with other people and you're like, Oh, this person is seeing this angle of this and this person seeing this angle of it. It, I don't know, again, widens your lens of like, Oh, I am not getting the full story when I'm just like, you can get part of the story when you're reading it by yourself. But I do think that, the benefit is that you get all these different angles to what's going on too. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I don't really know what I expected out of first Samuel. I expected like exciting stories and I think we got some of that. Um, yeah. I don't know that I expected it to be as sad like you were talking about. I, you know, sure it was going to be funny, but it was like, oh, we've got David and Goliath and we've got like Saul versus David and there's like epic battles or like whatever. But there is so much because I think maybe. I understand some of the emotional subtext of like some of the people like I can completely identify with being very insecure Saul looking at you and mm-hmm. like I can I can understand that and like acting out of that place or even like I'm not sure what's going to happen so I'm going to handle it myself I do that all the time like stuff like that was like ooh is that something I need mm, okay yeah. I see it That's I see it and yeah, and then I just end up feeling very conflicted about so many of the people because to your point, Robert, some of them got worse than I think they deserved. And then some of them got better than they deserved, I think. And so it's just sort of like how you sort of have to like suspend some of your sensibilities, I guess, in order to try to interact with the story in its time while also bringing it into your time and nuancing thing. And it's just, I guess I maybe underestimated how challenging that piece would be because of the heaviness that is behind so many of these stories. Even when they're being entertaining, there's like so much happening behind them that it makes it really challenging to feel like, to feel like I really like, like, I don't, don't know that I would say that like, First Samuel is a book I enjoyed, <laughs> which sounds terrible, but I appreciate it. And I mean, I just, I, I appreciate that there is space in the Bible that depicts humans like this and some of them in, in for good, some of them for bad, but that there is a sense of like how I feel is not like 
out of the purview of God because there's space for that too. And so it was definitely a roller coaster and I feel pretty conflicted about a lot of the people and places of for Samuel, but I but I'm glad we did it, I guess. <laughs> okay, takeaways from the season. Robert. Hmm. I think that I think that this reminds us that while it's really easy, it feels really easy to to judge and to point our fingers at Israel and the different leaders and to see their flaws and just sort of say like, wow, why can't you get your stuff together? That at the same time, there is this sense in which we need to, with humility, realize that we are those same people we are Israel in in that sense and that we are prone to make the same sorts of mistakes. We might not sacrifice burnt offerings when we're not supposed to, but maybe it's that insecurity, like you were saying, Kate, or it may not be the case that we have a bad habit of (laughs) delegating assassinations to our uh, our right-hand people but you know maybe what are the things that sort of like we are off hands about or laissez-faire about which we need to engage ourselves in um there's just different ways that sort of we can we can find ourselves as a church today showing up in as in those readings and so i just think that it's important in in some respect for us to remember that these same flaws reside in us and to some extent, we we do know better. Mm. Yeah. Amanda, how about you? One of the main themes, right? Like, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Let's go. Solid, yeah. Check him. Um, but also, I think that idea of obedience, right? Like... God is working throughout this book, regardless of the people at play. Mm. And I think there were times where Saul could have stepped into that flow of what God was doing pretty easily, but continued to find himself outside of that flow. As compared to David, who seemed to be wanting to move toward like God's work in this time period. Um. I don't know. I think that's just a new way that I, yeah, that idea of like, God is always working in this world and can we move, can we move closer to what he's doing? Yeah. I think I keep coming back for me as far as a takeaway of like some of the stuff that happened in the early chapters when you just sort of recognize that the people continue to choose to be like other people or continue Mm. to choose a mediator or some sort of mediator leader for themselves between God. And this happens a lot. Like they didn't want, they were scared of God, you know, back at Sinai. So they were like, no, Moses, you talk to God for us. It'll be fine. And you sort of get the sense of like, even though that's still happening through like a Samuel, the reason why we have more of these like flawed and I get leaders. And I guess even then it's not like the leaders were perfect. I wouldn't characterize Eli or Samuel or any of them as perfect um, or or even good, some of them, but that there was, there was a sense of, but God is here. We can trust God. We'll listen to God. We'll do what God says. So it's sort of like that obedience thing, but it's a sense of like, I'm not, and I'm not even sure how this would like completely translate practically just yet. It's just sort of occurring to me, but it's a sense of like, what are, what do I keep choosing to emulate or turn to that I think will emulate the right kind of leader, the right kind of person, the right kind of thing to lead me to God or lead me in the ways of God when I already know what God wants, but I'm not 
doing it or I just sort of like choose this extra thing. Um, yeah, there's, there's something there. I totally haven't hit on it, but it's one of, I just keep thinking about like, you know, Saul and God chose the leaders, but it's almost like, it's sort of like, right. The Batman, you get sort of like the hero you need, not like, like versus the hero you deserve or the hero you deserve versus the hero you need stuff like that, mm. where it's like, they get kind of the leaders they deserve, mm. um, in the context of the story, but it's not the leaders they really need because they mm. already had that. And so where are the ways that I'm looking for beyond that? Where am I not actually trusting God? And I'm sort of leaning on, yeah, my insecurity to tell me where to go, or I'm leaning on somebody else to tell me who I am or what I should be doing. Um, when I don't really know them, they just kind of look good on paper. You know, like there's a sense of, I'm not saying don't connect to people, but I do think this sort of goes back to that community idea that we've sort of been talking around of the sense. I think a lot of times we take feedback um, from people who don't know us and that can be for good or for evil. I'm not saying that you can't take not even evil that can be for good or bad. Um, But I think there is a space in which um, people can't really speak into you because they don't know the fullness of something. Mm. And sometimes we seek validation or criticism outside of those bounds. And that's not to say that there aren't people outside of that that can point to our blind spots. But there are also times when I think I continue to search for something outside of people that know me, that are grounded, that can actually speak into maybe like what we've seen with David. There are patterns that we now recognize because we know what's coming down the line for David, that there were patterns in his behavior, but like nobody was telling him that. They're like, David, you're a great guy. But it's sort of (laughs) indicative, right, of like where Israel is and how Israel continues to keep making the same mistake or reverting to the same issues. And so what are some of the ways in which I do that instead of, yeah, either allowing my community to come in and speak into my life or trusting that God, like you said, Amanda, is at work and is working things even when I'm not aware of it, or even when it feels like that's not happening. Um, and even though it, the situation I'm in really sucks, um, like what are some of the ways that I can be more cognizant or be more connected in a way that allows me to have the input that I need versus just like the input that I want to hear? Maybe mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That was a long way to get there, but I think that's what I'm <laughs> We got there. That's what counts. We got there in the end, right? <laughs> okay. So to wrap up, we thought we'd do some fun things since it has been kind of like we've had our moments of levity, but we've also had it's been a heavy season. And especially like we ended on a on a really bummer note last week, yeah. last time. Real Uh-oh. sorry, guys. That's just where we were. So we thought we would, yeah, do something a little lighter. So funniest moment either from the season, from a story, whatever sort of strikes you, Amanda, funniest. Hemorrhoids. <laughs> Golden hemorrhoids. Golden hemorrhoids. <laughs> I know. Just when you think the Bible can't get weirder, it's like, but <laughs> golden hemorrhoids, guys. Yeah. Golden hemorrhoids. Yeah. Oh, That's the I'm one. <laughs> Robert, how about you? Um, I, I think it's going to be untidy faith after dark, you know, I, the, the episode (laughs) (laughs) 
where we were talking about the the fact that David had this mission to go collect a hundred foreskins, and he did he it. Comes, he, he, he did it. He yeah. comes back with double, and you know, I just I think that the, my takeaway from that one in particular, if you remember that. David went out with one goal in mind, but he... I'm just shaking my head. So you guys should know that. Note for the audio. I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just <laughs> care, right? I mean, we, we were just talking about It's this. totally not canned or rehearsed or written down or planned. <laughs> you know, you, you can't... The spirit moves how the spirit moves, Kate. And I don't want you to get hung up on how I am delivering this message. I want you to hear what I'm trying to convey to you and to the audience. And I I just think that when we are thinking about our identity and what we have been called to do, that it's, it's important to look to David making a solid decision to go above and beyond. And while we are cutting up about it, that yeah, I, I'm glad for this slice of levity in this season, but I, I just want us to avoid the fallacy of thinking oh, no. that God won't do more <laughs> for us than we think that He's capable of. And so, I just these are important points. I want you to take them seriously. Mm-hmm. You all take that with you. I enjoyed that episode. I, I think it's you know it's applicable for tomorrow as well as today. Thank you. Thank you for so much for that innuendo, double entendre laden thing. What are you talking about? Where's your. I, oh, did you make. Oh my gosh. That's horrible, Kate. What? I didn't know that. No, that's horrible. Okay. I'm so sorry. I see. I see. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's all on me. It's all in my head. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> I also asked ChatGPT this question of what was funny. Oh, and what does ChatGPT think? So ChatGPT says when um, the temple god Dagon fell over, that's what ChatGPT finds is funny. And like also <laughs> when Saul gets struck by the spirit and starts prophesying. And the people oh, ask, it's okay, also that's among the prophets. So <laughs> I don't know if Chat GPT and my humor are the same, but that's yeah, I what. don't think we share the same <laughs> sense of humor. Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of hard to top the foreskin conversation because we just literally couldn't get through it. But I think we also had an extended conversation about whether Saul was going number one or number two in the cave when oh, yeah. David cut yeah, off yeah, the yeah. part of his robe. So, yeah, for some reason, we're all really into. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) into private parts that show up i also think um our humor is not unlike a five-year-old yeah listen to untidy faith for the nuggets of bible stuff and for potty humor we are here for you we're just like you podcasters they're just like you (laughs) i also kind of like um some of the humor in the ghost story where samuel's like bro stop like the idea of like calling up a ghost to get an answer and he's like you have your answer leave me alone already like grumpy grumpy samuel was pretty entertaining too I will say, Amanda, your recap of the episode where Dagon, where we're talking about, like, he just keeps falling. Like, that was hilarious. Like, it was it was pretty funny the way that you that you just laid it out. Like, he just, you know, he wakes up the next day and like he's on his face again. Just like, I don't know. It was it was it was a good picture. that you. Yeah, you just can't you can't escape it. Okay, favorite story or topic from our journey through first Samuel. Amanda, what was yours? I don't know. All the ones I know, so much pressure. <laughs> I know. I think we sort of covered a lot of them. I was I just know, trying to I like liked... look through the list of episode. <laughs> or do you have like a favorite character? I feel like we dislike a lot of characters. Are there any characters you did like? I mean, I've always been a fan of Abigail, which is one of David's wives. 
But I also liked, yeah. I don't know, it was funny to see the iterations of Samuel show up, right? Because it's always like, then he goes off to retire and then something else happens. And then he goes off to retire and then something else happens. And then he dies. And then something else happens. And then they bring him back anyway. Even right. death, this like, man cannot escape. Yeah. <laughs> he has very like get off my lawn energy. Like that's what <laughs> I, I, that's what I appreciate about him. <laughs> Yeah, I like I feel like in my heart um I feel I feel that deeply. I I feel like I understand Samuel on a on a deep emotional level. <laughs> with, with that level of grumpiness. Uh Robert, favorite people, favorite topics. What did you Yeah, I What resonates with you? I so there, there are two that come to mind. The one, the, the, I don't think this is my favorite, but it's definitely the runner-up. It's, it's when Eli is sleeping and you've got young Samuel just like, hey, why are you calling me? And and like he just like, he, like the man cannot sleep. And it's like, go to bed, child. <laughs> it's like, I need, I'm thirsty. I need some water. Like, so, <laughs> as a, a parent to young children, I, I could empathize with that. but. I I actually think that my favorite subject was also one of the hardest, which was the the issue of is there like a parallel or an analogy to make when we're looking at how Saul treated David and just seemed to forget that they're supposed to be copacetic. And he just keeps coming after him and, and David's having to navigate this actual literal physical abuse as well as like this sense of emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, that's just something that I think it resonates with me as an advocate. It resonates in my personal life, in my own uh, background. I think that it resonates for a lot of people maybe that have had that same difficulty. And so I think that is the first time that I got to actually really thoroughly talk through that. And my mm. thoughts will probably be, you know, lifelong and developing, but it was, it was good to hash it out and uh, it was good to have a safe place to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think you guys have talked about this a lot, but I, I do think it was so helpful. I'm so glad that Robert Monson got to be on the podcast. Cause I think mm. his, perspective and scholarship and expertise and point of view. And I'm glad that we did it early so that like we sort of had that with us as we were going because we mentioned it a few times throughout the season. And I think that's super helpful in just having a different lens, a different perspective on what we're looking for. And like you said, who we're listening to and who we're looking for that's not being able to talk. Um, I also am just... I don't know why, but I'm a big fan of Jonathan. I feel like there's something so like grounding and peaceful or uh, connect. I don't know, authentic about Jonathan, even though we don't see him a lot. I think there is this really, yeah, just kind of like cool, not just energy he brings, but I think his interactions are just feel like they're such a good example of like integrity and support and friendship. And I think that's so much of, um, especially stuck between the two Kings that, you know, the one who's his father and the one that he knows is coming up. That's his friend and how that sort of puts him in a weird place and how he navigates that, you know, still fighting for right. And even against his own bloodline, but, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about Jonathan that I really appreciate and that I wish I wish there was more about him here because I wish I knew him better. Mm-hmm. I think we would learn a lot from him. Or maybe he's just as terrible as everybody else and that's why they don't include it. I don't know. But so maybe I should be grateful that it's not ruined for me with <laughs> more <laughs> content. But yeah, I think there's something about him that I'm a fan of. Okay, what else? If you wanted to tell someone about First Samuel or the space or what you've been through, is there anything else you would add? What you've been through, the trauma that we have subjected <laughs> to you? Buckle up. It's a wild ride. 
First of all, <laughs> you're going to feel some things when you read this book. <laughs> yeah, you will you know, react. So be ready. You know, that's that's a good that's a good point. As as you're looking at the book overall and all these characters that have these various flaws and shortcomings, Jonathan stands out, I think, against that backdrop so much because he not just like the loyalty aspect, but just like the the integrity. And he 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 sort of reminds me of like Samwise Gamgee in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like just mm reliable like friend that you can depend on and is supportive and so it's almost kind of like you know when the lows are low the the highs are all the higher um and so Mm -hmm. big big picture i you know that is something that i i do hold on to i think that's good yeah anything to add amanda or you feel like You've said all you need to say. That's all. That's all I have to say about for Samuel. That's all I got. <laughs> um. Well, I also just want you guys to know that, like, probably every week or every other. Well, I mean, we only put episodes out every other week, but that several people are like, "Oh, I've started listening to the podcast, and I really enjoy that, and like the conversations that you're having." And so, just so that you both know that it's. You know, I don't, I hope you're hearing the feedback too, but if you're not, know that people are appreciating the way that we and you all are walking through this with open hearts, open hands, open eyes, and just like figuring it out as we go and having that permission to have conversations and for them to be left untidy like we have so many times. And so... (laughs) Um, even now we are leaving it in a mess. So you're welcome guys. I think there is a sense in which these are the things people wish they could talk about with their people. And so having this space where other people will interact with that and give them new ideas or insights or thoughts or perspectives. So if you haven't heard it from them or from me, thank you for being here. And thank you for being a part of this because I think it's really important the space that we have cultivated here and people do appreciate your contributions to this whole thing, the whole shebang. So thank you guys for being willing to spend a really long time (laughs) going through all of this. (laughs) I received that. That is, yeah, it's, I hope this was, yeah, or is a blessing to listeners. Yeah. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Amanda, for doing this with you, with us. And thank you listeners for listening and keeping us going. And I really do hope that, I don't know, through this season that you walked away with an understanding, like you're not alone as you're wrestling through some of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is, so thank all of you. We may not give you answers, but we do <laughs> allow you to be messy like us. Yeah, so that's real welcome. life, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've always said that's one of my fav- one of the things that I set out to do is be a permission giver. And so I think it's fun to see that actualize. And so yeah. So thank you guys, Robert and Amanda, and thank the listeners. And thanks to Hector for making us sound good. And <laughs> um, the unsung hero behind the podcast, Hector Martinez, who edits us bless his heart. (laughs) Believe it or not, you get an edited version of the things we say. and uh, (laughs) Not heavily, but it is there. There is something happening. So that we do. I know. (laughs) So thank you, everybody who has been a part of the journey. We're really glad that you joined us and we hope that you find comfort in your own way forward, whether that's through for Samuel or if you need a break and you need to go back to the New Testament, <laughs> we totally support your decision. <laughs> you can always come back yeah. for a visit. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for joining our discussion today. I hope that you got as much out of it as we always do from these conversations. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player to help more people find the show and learn along with us. And don't forget to find and follow us on social media. All our links are in the show notes and I can't wait until we see you next time. Bye-bye.